Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Most often you just need an anxiety buster you can do while running down the street or a yoga pose you can do at your desk or a way to de-bloat what feels like an alien baby in your abdomen. Retox isn't about changing who you are or denying life's pleasures. It's about tailoring sensible, scientifically-based health practices to the life you already live. In this best-selling book, wellness expert Lauren Imperato strips down yoga to its anatomical principles, offering practical tips to fast relief. Then drawing from a variety of disciplines, from psychology to nutrition to Tibetan philosophy, she designs no-nonsense strategies and delicious recipes to combat the most common challenges in modern life. This woman is incredible. She started her own yoga studio and now has created such a thriving wellness business. She talked to me about her former life in the corporate world and told me all about what she's looking forward to today. She is such an incredible woman. I am so privileged and honored to have had an incredible conversation with her, and I cannot wait for you to listen. She is so amazing. I can't wait for you to read the book. Without further ado, Lauren Imperato. Well, so tell me, uh, uh, for our listeners, uh, Lauren, will you give us a little bit of background on you, what you do, and what was the catalyst to creating I Am You and this amazing book? Yeah, you know, um, first of all, I'm so happy to, to be discussing this. And <laughs> I kind of got to where I am or where we are now in a very uh, not typical path. Meaning, you know, if you had told me at any point, one, five, 10, 20, 25, 30 years ago, that this is what I'd be doing and this would be my book, and we'd be talking, I would have told you, yeah, yeah, yeah right, like, look at your head. <laughs> <down>. you, know? <laughs> you know, like, definitely not part of my plan. Um, I grew up in Northern California in this area that is now called Silicon Valley that was very chill and horse country when I grew up. <laughs> and I grew up a major athlete, you know, um, playing sports all the time, yeah. running around, you know, captaining teams. I grew up Catholic, going to church every Sunday, having steak dinners on Sunday night that my mom would make. You know, very healthy in the sense of our snacks were healthy, isn't that? But I didn't know that these things were healthy. And I just, it just was, right? It just was the way my family was. It was the way my upbringing was. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I went to Princeton on the East Coast and really faced an East Coast winter for the first time. When you're from California, it's always a shock. Uh -huh. And, um, <laughs> you know, swapped in all my sports for running, be that outside in the snow, which lasted like two runs, uh, or on the treadmill. And then, you know, yeah, I was like, this is really stupid. Also, I could slip on the ice and kill myself. How do people live on the East Coast? Like, never mind, I've been in New York for like 20 years, but whatever. <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, those things, those first transitions, <laughs> growing pain. Right. Yeah. 
And so I, I graduated from Princeton. I actually studied literature while I was at Princeton, Spanish and Italian literature, and I decided I wanted to work on Wall Street. And I luckily got hired on the trading floor of Morgan Stanley and fixed income and continued what I thought was my healthy lifestyle there. You know, I was running still about 60 miles a week, whether that meant waking up like at 4 a.m. to run before my 5.30, 5 o'clock a.m. start time or getting out in the first three years at 10 p.m. and going to those random near gyms that are open at all hours um, oh, and wow. running. I never really missed a workout. Six, seven days a week, usually seven men particularly, because I didn't understand this concept of rest. Um, and I thought I was eating healthily. You know, I was eating salads and vegetables and everything else. And, you know, but I wasn't feeling great. I really wasn't feeling great. And I kept blaming the typical things we all blame. My boss, mm. my job, mm-hmm. my career choice staying out too late, not having enough money, whatever it was, you know, and then I just kept blaming everything out there for the reason I wasn't feeling my 100% best. And then um, I was walking up the streets of New York City. It was like springtime. I, you know, it'd been about less than a year that I had been living in Manhattan and graduated, but it was unseasonally like, warm, and I was in these shorts of my dad's, like these retro vintage shorts that I sort of swiped from him, but he still asks me where they are, and I'm like, I have no idea, Dad. You know, they're like promptly in my shelf. <laughs> And uh, this guy named Jorge, who I had been dating for a few months, um, suggested, and, you know, we were walking up the street, and basically, you know, I looked at his skinny legs, he was very, like, rock and roll then, and I still is, but particularly then, and I looked at my legs and my dad's shorts, and they were, like, busting out of the shorts, and I was like, God, my legs are so thick. Ooh. And being 21, you know, and a crazy girl at 21, uh-huh. I immediately thought I was fat. Uh-huh. And so uh, we sat down to have Mexican food, and being from California, that's like you never turn down right? chips and guacamole and salsa. Totally. And, like, and I, I have, like, the appetite of a whore. Like, I eat so much, and I didn't have one. <laughs> oh, no. And this guy, Jorge, was like, what is wrong with you? And, I, you know, I finally told him, I was like, you know, I'm fat. My legs are thick. And he was like, oh, my God, you need to get your head checked. Why don't you go to yoga? So... I was coming up with um, a list of reasons to break up with him because I couldn't believe that I had a boyfriend so young that I actually kind of was in love with in New York. So I put going to yoga as a reason that I need to break up with him because he clearly didn't understand who I was. So (laughs) I went to yoga to prove the point in my list for needing to break up with him. And uh, as you can read in the book, I basically faked the cramp and walked out. That said, fast forward a few weeks, and I was doing yoga seven days a week, and I'd completely quit running. And this kind of went on for years. And you have to remember, this is like 2002, 2003. This is before yoga was plastered on every billboard, Mm -hmm. banking ad, and Tampax ad, right? There was no stretchy pants. There wasn't even Lululemon. Mm -mm. So I couldn't be like the only girl on the trading floor and the yoga girl, Mm -hmm. right? And I became a vegetarian those years. In fact, I was a vegetarian my eight years, seven, seven years on Wall Street but eat meat now, and I couldn't tell anybody I was a vegetarian. I was surrounded by dudes going to steak dinners, so I had to hide all that stuff. But in my hiding of it, I would, like, go deep into my studies of yoga philosophy, Buddhism, nutrition, meditation, all this stuff. And then I realized as I was starting to help people on the trading floor and my friends, none of whom worked on Wall Street, I was trying to help help them get feel better, Mm -hmm. meaning... They would ask me, hey, how are you managing all this stress? Hey, how can I fix my cholesterol? Hey, did this. And I don't know why they were asking me that, except fate plays out in this weird ways. And again, I was teaching free yoga and, and out of our apartment, and all these free yoga classes were filling up with all these people. And I realized that there, and nothing's changed that much now in the sense that there is so much wellness out there, mm-hmm. like so much wellness. Yet 
it's so hard to understand what to do. Yeah. And it's so unobtainable sometimes. And, you know, we all know we have to eat vegetables. We have to drink water. You know, we have to sweat. These really basic things. But how do you keep it all together yeah. within the context of your real life? Mm-hmm. How do you juggle that without sacrificing your career or your family time, yeah. right? Or your personal time or your Netflix time, right? Yeah. And that's when I realized that I had to quit my job and I had to start what was formerly known as IMU, but I'm rebranding to Retox mm-hmm. and write this book, which is, you know, really a toolkit for modern living because the world out there isn't going to change. But you can make very subtle changes that aren't about deprivation, aren't about detoxing, are not about suffering. They're about adding things into your life to be healthy so you can really take on whatever life throws you. Yeah. Wow. And you do such an incredible job. And and as I said earlier uh, to you when we were on the phone, that this book is so accessible and so easy to use in that way that it's 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 huge. It's huge. I mean, to be able to read something that's like short, concise to the point, And it's like, okay, this is the, this is the type of practice I want to see today. Or I'm feeling like my pH levels are off or what is a pH level? You know, all that information, you give all that information in, in the book, you know? And another thing that, uh, sort of the, the dispelling of the whole detox, um, craze, you know, people are always like, oh, I have to take things out, right? Everyone's always so worried with having to take things out of their diet or having to uh, add certain things and, and people feel deprived and and they feel like they can't do so many things in order to be healthy. And so I, I know that you speak to this in the book. So how did you how were you able to sort of uh, consolidate all of these different types of practices into this book? Like, was there certain people you were working with? Who, who were you writing this book for? Um, I think that's kind of, a, I'll answer that question as two parts, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first part, most importantly, is I was writing the book for you, for me, for us. You know, like, I am a, a total geek, and uh, I love to study, and I have studied for years, and I continue to study yoga and nutrition and meditation and mindfulness. You know, this isn't stuff I just pulled out of my ass, sorry to be crass. Like, this is stuff I've spent a lot of time and effort studying. You know, even like a couple, maybe a couple months ago, we're doing a, a teaching and personal development leadership program, or um, it'll be launching in a couple months, and I actually happened to find my old laptop. And all these notes on my old laptop that, like, I guess I just did for fun that I've completely forgotten about, where I'm, like, breaking down, like, pH chemical levels, and it's, like, pages of Word documents that I type, and then, you know, another, like, 50 pages of, like, musculoskeletal stuff, and I was like, oh, my God, I forgot I used to do all this stuff, you know, and because and, it's just been such a long journey, and, uh, and so... That's kind of where all I've worked and studied with so many people, and that's where that all, all that information comes from. And it also comes from a lot of work with you, me, clients, people, right? Yeah. You know, I've had this flagship studio space in New York for years, and it really acted as my petri dish or experimental lab, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so someone comes in and they tell me they have these issues, and when they decide they trust me to work with me, I better get them better. You know, and, and like that for all these years, you know, I note those stories in the book. Obviously, names changed and everything else, but, you know, a, a lot of that. And, and this book is written because for us normal human beings, yeah. you know, we just want to be happy and live our lives. 
And we don't want a bunch of mumbo jumbo. We don't want to spend thousands of dollars. We don't want to be fake sold all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We just want to know, like I said earlier, how to keep it together. That's why that chapter that kind of right before the Retox Lab starts is called Keeping It Together. Like, <laughs> that's the premise of Retox. Becoming strong, successful, happy, energetic, and keeping it together when you're not feeling like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I really love that, that, that part or, or the whole feeling of it that you were able to really uh, relay that, I think that just the hum, our real humanness and the realness that like, yeah, we, we sometimes don't feel our best or sometimes we want to wear our fat Monday clothes or sometimes like, yeah, you like that line. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I, I think it's, I think it's something hugely beneficial for anyone who is wanting to find healthy solutions for their lives. Um, and, and again, it's, it's something that I, I don't feel a lot of yogis or yoga teachers speak to is, is the realness of like, no, this is the reality. This is how it's happening. This is, if you're feeling this way, this is something that, that will work. And I love all the quick fixes that you have, uh, detailed out in there, because I think that that's what we need. You know, we also have to have the, the tools to, to find uh, some some peace or to be able to alleviate our bodies when, when we're feeling a little bit uh, lethargic or when we've had too much sugar or we feel like we're bloated or whatever. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I mean, my number one thing, because when I was deep in the yoga world, and well, I still am, I guess, but before I quit to do this, you know, I was kind of rolling my eyes a lot of the time. <laughs> and this was back then. Okay, this was back then. Back in 2002? When none of this was a thing. Wow. Yeah, and I would be like, oh, come on now. Or when I started to get even more and more into it, and they'd yeah. be preaching, someone would be preaching about this, and then I would hear them, you know, talking on the phone and be like, whoa, that's totally different, or yeah. different ways that people have acted towards me over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's this, con- there's an often a disconnect between the persona that we show the public and the persona we really are, and you know, one thing that I always, always tried to do over the years, particularly on social media that I tried to grow, is like the photos you see are taken by me, i.e. they're not gourmet. They're like the way my food actually looks, you know? <laughs> and I'm not airbrushed, and I'm often bloated in my photos, and I probably have a big pimple on my nose, and that's what it is. Because, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to, like, doll myself up. I'm going to give you who I am, because we all, we're, like, all one, right? We're all people. Yeah. And uh, that that unifying sense, I think, is really what we're needing, especially in our current state of the world, right, is to be able to recognize that we are all the same and that these things happen. And it's important for us to be united in in that front, uh, especially when it comes to yoga or our practice. Um, I'm curious to hear from you with going back to like – you and and your story with uh you know leaving wall street and creating this into your life um there's people out there and, and one of the big things that we get on on the podcast with listeners emailing about wanting to make a career change or needing tools to change their lifestyle uh or they're not happy with what where they are currently so is this something that that you can speak to or or it's maybe some words of advice that you can give them uh in regard to creating change either in their career or their lifestyle or their practice yeah i mean obviously i made a massive leap and i speak to this fair amount and i uh career coach 
actively uh, people from all different careers mm-hmm. looking to switch into other different careers. Mm-hmm. So there's never really one typical change. And sometimes it's not taking a huge leap in switching, but it's making a huge leap mentally about how you approach your career or your job. You know, and um, I think the first thing to remember is that it all plays out as hard as it is in the moment, kind of in that dangling woman chapter in the book. It all plays out the way it's supposed to play out. Like, my seven-plus years on Wall Street all helped me do what I do now. And it might seem not logical, but it is. You know, like, I started my business with my own money that I saved, 100%, mm-hmm. and literally knowing nobody in the press realm and nobody in the world that was entering. But I knew I had an idea and I wanted to do it. And so basically, I just hustled. And I continue to hustle. I cold call. I do everything. Mm-hmm. Until the book came out, you know, I was doing all my press myself, all my management myself. I still do all my design myself. I designed the website. Not like the coding. I'm not technically at like, all. But, whoa, you know, Lauren, that is impressive. From, no, God, that definitely <laughs> crushes me. But, you know, I drew it out on paper. Yeah, I got you. Know, you. And cool. I, do, I do all these parts myself. And, um, and I think that, Watch this embed. I just mentioned this said two things. The first is never discount your current experience mm. because it will have a positive effect for your next experience. Number one, mm. you know, and then number two, you know, you don't always have to jump into that next thing immediately. And being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. Mm. You know, I think that there's a big push right now in the media that like to be an entrepreneur, to be an entrepreneur, yeah. and that's awesome. But not everybody's made to be an entrepreneur. You know, just like I definitely am not made to be a tech coder. Right. Like, not everybody is made to be a singer in the opera, right? Yeah. Or an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know, and that leads into my third most important point is that hard work matters. Uh. You know, I think that there's also a, a little bit of a idea of, like, if you visualize it, and it will come. But, you know, a lot of these stories that are told that aren't really telling the full truth, like, you know, like I talk about in the book and in recent images, like, you know, how much I've cried over the past mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. how I've worked like 18 to 20 hour days over the past years for all those years, how, you know, I've had to struggle and do bootstrap way because I haven't had, in- I haven't gone for investment, I should say, or had investment besides my own money that now is completely, you know, whatever, and now the business is running on its own. Um, you know, and I think that people underestimate these days the value of hard work. Mm. You know, it's not about, just like, you know, the, the phenomenon of wanting to be an Instagram or a YouTube star. Yes, you don't just totally. make a video and throw it up there. You're like, you're putting that video in a thousand different places. You're doing all these different things, yeah. right? And the idea of, you know, taking a photo and then becoming an Instagram star, I think is what's morphing people's um, concepts of how to build their next career or go in, or be an entrepreneur or go into their next change. Yeah. Like hard work is entails. Yeah. And it's not nice all the time. Most of the time it's not nice, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's, it's, I think it's huge what you're saying right now, because I, it, I'll go back to agreeing with what you said about not everyone should be an entrepreneur. I think it's, it's hugely, hugely massed under this beautiful, a facade of like, oh, now you're an Instagram star or now, you know, all these things are happening for you because of just what it looks like on the outside and people don't see all the behind the scenes, right? So yeah. the hard work that that needs to to come with all of that success or to create any type of momentum, especially if you don't have a biz- business background. So for you in saying that, what what separates somebody that has the ability or, or the desire to be an entrepreneur from someone who 
thinks that they can be an entrepreneur? You know, I think um, the first is a bit of trial and error. You know, like uh, I, in retrospect, have been an entrepreneur my whole life. Mm. You know, I had like really serious lemonade stands, not just like rinky dink lemonade yeah, stands. No, I saw you know, pictures I, in the book. Uh, <laughs> right. at, at the reunion for our colleges, I bought glow sticks at, from my uncle at 10 cents from my uncle and sold them at my college reunions for $5, and that paid for my first summer in New York. You know, I wow. started a personal training business by going around and putting flyers around. I started my first, I started the first lacrosse team, women's lacrosse team in California at my high school. You know, I've always kind of been a self-starter. And even in my career on Wall Street, I decided to take on my job in sales as a self-starting way. And, you know, my boss, one of my many bosses, it was like my second year and I'd moved into sales. And he, this is pre-Google, we have to remember, and he dropped this massive stack of paper on my desk and he said, figure out a way to make the firm a million dollars. And I was like, what? It was just like a list. It was like a stack of like random names, not really any phone numbers, like not it's necessarily nothing. the companies that were working. I was like, nothing. I was like, how the hell am I going to do this? And you know how you do it? You hustle. Oh. You hustle. You know, you hustle and you get a tough skin because nine times out of ten you're going to be rejected. You know, and that's the way I've done it. Of course, there's the other way. There's a lot of ways you can be an entrepreneur. Like there's ways to go immediately to the idea for funding. There's ways, you know, or, right. you know, there's just different ways to do it. Yeah. I chose to do it by hustling because I didn't want to quit a yeah. career I loved and actually was doing well in to do something else if I actually, if it actually wasn't going to work, right, if it actually didn't resonate with people. Yeah. So I chose the hustle path. But I think that the idea of hustling is really important for longevity. And I think that, like you note in the book, you can probably feel it a bit in the book, right? Yeah, you, you can feel can. it in my Instagram, and you can feel it at the studio and in my teachings and lectures. Like, I'm not faking it. Like I said, I have that big pimple on my nose. It's there. <laughs> you know, I'm wearing a really loose muumuu because I'm super bloated. Oh, you know? Oh, and I might have tears under my eyes because I just cried because I just got rejected from the umpteen cents or something, right? Like, right. I'm not going right. to sugarcoat that stuff. Yeah. So tell, tell us what the difference is if there is good hustle versus bad hustle. Well, you know, I think that I think of hustle as hard work and just going at it yourself, like doing, 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 mm -hmm. doing. You know, I don't really think, I've never really thought of bad hustle, to be honest. Mm, I mean, if you're, like hustling, if you're like hustling a, you know, a prostitute that's pulling out good <laughs> hustle, like... I guess that's the, the bad kind of hustle, yeah. In, in the way, in the days of like, you know, Frank Sinatra and all, that's your version of hustle, maybe like the Rat Pack, you know, that, that type of hustle. Yeah, but you know but, what, it's uh, funny, it's interesting, it's interesting because if, of course you would answer that like that because there is, there's just the hustle for you, you know what I mean? Like that's what separates the yeah. doers from the non-doers, Lauren, for real, like that is it because... I mean, for me, the the word that I have a hard time with is is failure. Like I've spoke about this on the podcast at length, that how I don't believe I don't necessarily relate to that word really, you know, because I'm like there. I've never really failed at anything because I feel like I've learned from things that haven't worked. There's just been things that haven't worked, you know what I mean, and things that just yeah. didn't work out, and that's okay. And I just continue to move forward, right? It's just on to the next thing. Okay, it's interesting that you say that because this concept of failure is something that I'm working through right now, oh. you know, and um, until about, you know, December-ish, like I, a month, a couple months ago, a few months ago, you know, I never really felt that I failed. And then I had a pretty um, intense betrayal happen in my work mm. world 
and the person that did the betrayal and stealing from me <sighs> rationalized it by um, saying that I failed, so she did this anyways. Ouch. And, uh, and that's been really interesting because I like to go back to retox. I let that seed be planted in my head. Mm. And, you know, they say that in the Tibetan traditions that retox is based on, you are the gardener of your mind and you're the gardener of your life. And I allowed the seed of failure to be planted in my head, and it's been growing like a weed, and I've been having to get out there every day with a weed whacker and chop that shit down. And that's not easy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah, so how, how and, do you do that? You know, I've been doing a lot of my retox practicing, and mainly, you know, I'm working on an article about this. I'll share with your, your listeners when it's done. But mainly with this concept of, you know, like crowding out. That's like the geeky Wall Street yeah. in me. You know, every time a bad thought comes or a failure thought comes, I try as hard as I humanly can, and I do not succeed all the time because I'm, I'm the type of wellness person that's going to tell you the truth. I try and put a positive <laughs> thought in. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I think I've failed because I, whatever idiotic weed idea is growing in my head, <laughs> I try and focus on the note that a client sent me of how I've changed their life. Or I try and focus on one of my teachers, at the, you know, one of my retox teachers who is doing so well. Or I try and focus on, you know, whatever it is. Or even just my grandmother, my best friend, or my husband, or my sister, or my mom, my dad. I try and focus on something positive so I don't just add more fertilizer to these idiotic seeds that I'm myself been letting grow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have to say that The Dangling Woman is uh, my favorite chapter in the book oh um, interesting thank you yeah so can you just give the listeners just a quick little like cliff's notes on it so that they can pick it up and read the whole thing yeah so the dangling woman is this phrase that i came up with after lehman brothers crashed so it was a financial crisis and basically the day before lehman brothers crashed was my birthday i was like deep in love flying high in new york everything was awesome like the next day literally pretty much uh, the Lehman Brothers cash, the financial industry is in turmoil. My parents go through this turmoil. Everybody I know, they're firing people mm -hmm. from the bank. My same boyfriend from before, by the way, now husband. No, still my boyfriend. Now he's my husband. <laughs> my, you know, man I've been with forever. Now I'm technically married to. Um, his mom got stage four cancer and oh. got given a few months to live. And my life was in complete flux, right? Mm -hmm. I had been standing firm in energy and happiness and success. And then the next day... I'm in this flux where everything's upside down. And that's a really dramatic example, but that was the first time I kind of came up with that phrase, and it was long before I knew I would even do this. Mm -hmm. And Daniel one is that concept of kind of, if you visualize two buildings or two skyscrapers, right, you're dangling in between the two of them. Like, you don't know if you should land on this building or that building, and you might fall, and you feel like you might fall, and you feel like you might collapse, and you feel like you might fail and die. But you're just dangling. You know, and those two buildings are right there. You just have to stick your leg out and get to that. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote this whole chapter of the book because it, particularly in these times, I feel like there's so much uncertainty in the air. Mm -hmm. Not even just like geopolitical and economic, but just there's some uncertainty vibes in the air yeah. for all of us. You know, yeah. there's very few people I know these days who are completely grounded in the moment and sure about what's coming next. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's a really tough thing to deal with. And so that's why I wrote that chapter of the book. Mm. Yeah, and it's such a great. I, I'm. I will not 
stop talking about this book, by the way. I think everyone should pick it up. And as I said earlier, it, it's such a great tool, even just as a, as a guidebook, if you're looking for certain types of practices. When you're working with your students and your clients, what is the biggest issue that's coming up lately? You know, I'd say it's, uh, number one, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> which I think plays into not only the dangling woman, but also that chapter of I have to mm-hmm. in the book of like society's telling me that because I'm a female at this age, I have to be married or I have to have kids or I have to do that. And I don't want that or that's not for me or I can't access that yet or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I think that, that like, this combination that females go through of um, societal pressure that they don't maybe not realize that it's happening and just general what am I doing with my life is definitely the thing. And that's why I think that actually I'll, it'll be eight years of my business in May. And, you know, when I started, um, I started the first sort of, you know, the studio in New York was like the first boutique yoga studio in New York. And I ran these really niche boutique cleanse programs that weren't detoxing. They're actually food menus and like meals with snacks. Like people would tell me they're stuffed from the food, right? Yeah. And teas and all the stuff. And that was like the big um, stuff. Like I call it maybe the number two thing I did after yoga stuff. Mm-hmm. And now actually it's career coaching. And life coaching. So I find that that shift in my business is really um, an interesting reflection on the times. You know, in that uh, people, like in the book, you know, a lot of people can kind of figure out what to eat and they don't really mind if they're a little bit overweight or not feeling the great, but they really, it's about the mental stuff in their career and their family life and their personal life and how to manage that part. It's almost like, you know, from the tangible anatomic body stuff, people have really shifted to that other realm. And that's kind of where I feel people are really struggling wise. Mm. So people come to me for the most. Yeah. What <laughs> if for the listeners, uh, that are wanting to create substantial change in their life, what's the first thing that they should do in regard to either their, their health or their career? I mean, the first thing, it's kind of a, well, it's an interesting question. The first <laughs> thing I would say is that to know that you enter Everybody enters their next uh, or their change or their transformation in a different way. Mm-hmm. So to make a really rudimentary example of what I mean, a rudimentary, excuse me, example of what I mean, you know, I went to yoga because I thought my legs were fat and I wasn't eating my chips and guacamole or my glass of wine, right? <laughs> so my self-perception of my fat, non-fat legs or whatever, you know, is what actually started me on this path, right? Mm-hmm. And we all enter for different reasons. So if you're being called to sit back and chill for a while, or you're being called to read a different book or let go of a friend or to take a trip, let yourself have that because you don't ever know where it's going to take you. You know, and that goes for health as much for career, as much for family and dating and personal life. You know, like my husband is probably the last person, not probably the last person in the world I ever thought I'd be with. And, me for him, yet we're so compatible and he's my everything. But if I had said, well, he doesn't fit my quote-unquote type, I would <laughs> never have let my, you know? Yeah. And I think that this quote-unquote type is something that we struggle with, and I think mm-hmm. it's a lot pushed in a subliminal way or obvious way by social media yeah. and media. And, um, and I think that just letting go of the quote-unquote type of XYZ uh, I think it's going to really allow you the space to become whole and successful. 
Mm, God's such a hard thing to do, right? To be able to let go of the attachment to what your list is, right? Or what your type is or what you perceive in your mind to be like the perfect partner or the perfect job. I mean, listen, I literally put like in the column of reasons to break up with a guy that's my husband and we've been together almost 15 years. Like he wants me to go to yoga, you know, like there we are. <laughs> Let's that's not great, forget. Yeah. That's great. So I'm curious what you think of making your passion into your profession. Like, are you a fan of that? Uh, as a coach, what, what's you know, your feel? This, this is actually such a project that I'm so delving into right now, or my next big project, I should say. And, um, you know, I think that for me, it really worked. Huh. But that said, it changed my passion. Meaning, like, let's just go with the basic example of yoga, right? Yeah. My passion ultimately, is, and has always been helping people, and helping people become the themselves. But, like, I didn't... Well, let's just start with the yoga thing, because like, it's the easiest tangible example for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yoga trainings are on an all-time high and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, I loved yoga, and I was passionate about it. And the second I went into a yoga teacher training, by the way, still working at Morgan Stanley, had recently been promoted, like, no thought that I would ever do this. It changed my experience of yoga forever, and not necessarily for the better. And ditto now. Like now, my experience on a yoga mat is not at all seven days a week what it used to be. Meaning, you know, I can't always have that quote-unquote yoga experience on the mat because inevitably I'm thinking about how this relates to my business or, you know, how I da-da-da or critiquing a new teacher or whatever it is, right? It's tough for me or how I'm going to turn this into a class for the public or whatever. So sometimes turning your passion into your career kind of ruins your passion. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you go through all the heartbreak of, of starting a new career in entrepreneurship, and anybody that says that there isn't heartbreak is completely lying to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you go through all that heartbreak, and then you're like, oh, my God, and it changes again, yeah. right? And it changes again. So I think that if you want to turn your passion into career, which obviously I'm a firm, staunch you know, example of, mm-hmm. I think that you need to be open for how that's going to shift different things in your life. And you need to have a plan, right? Because just because you love, this is what I do in my career coaching a lot. And, uh, you know, just because you love cooking doesn't mean you need to be a chef. Why? Because being a chef means standing on your feet for like, you know, so many hours at a time. It means late closes, right? So it means not really being at home in the evenings, afternoons, and wee hours of the morning. It means this and that, right? It means all these different things, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Just because you love um, travel doesn't mean you should be a writer for Lonely Planet or CNN Travel, right? Yeah. Just because you love music doesn't mean you should, or you have a good voice, doesn't mean you're going to become Taylor Swift. Right. right. And so, you know, I think that it's understanding that some things are okay to just be your passion. And some things, maybe if you have a way to express your passion in a very unique way, and you know that you cannot live without trying to turn this into something else, and you're willing to risk everything, which I did, to do so, mm. then you should turn your passion into your career. Mm. Right? Yeah. Oh, that's and that's, so those great. are kind of an overview of my thoughts. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Thank you. That's that's great. I, I just have a few more questions to ask you before we begin to wrap. And uh, I can already tell you right now that we're definitely going to have to have you on because there's so many other questions I want to talk to you about. Oh, great. Um, so what, are there any 
words of wisdom that you live by or is there a certain mantra or, or some sort of uh, belief that you that that you've had that has continued to propel you forward in your life or your career yeah i think above all it's being thankful for life oh. you know like you know i closed the book with that and i closed the book with that really because no matter what is going wrong in your day in your life you're alive you know, and we have to be thankful. I think we're constantly grasping for these other things, grasping for the new supplement or the new type of workout plant or the new boyfriend or the new apartment or the new, you know, bra or the new abs or whatever it is. So why are we just thankful for a moment about what we have? Like, thankful for, like, the fact that we're breathing and we're alive and the sky, like, the sun comes up and down a bit. I know that sounds really cheesy, but I... You know, I feel like there's a big push these days for, like, the gratitude. But gratitude is like an esoteric. I actually wrote an article about this for Ariana Huffington's Thrive recently, Why Thanks is the New Gratitude. You know, and I think just being thankful to life for everything it already gives us, enough to be able to be listening to this, Mm -hmm. is my biggest mantra. Mm. And on all the bad days, I I try and start the day and end the day to just be thankful. You know, thankful to my family, thankful to my people around me that love me, thankful to be able to be alive in the city doing things I love, even on the days that I want to cry and scream and whatever, and everything's going wrong, right? Just thankful to life. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks. My uh, pleasure. <laughs> no, thank you, I should say. <laughs> so Radically Loved is this, uh, I created the forum, it's this idea that Uh, or this feeling or the knowing that we are completely and radically loved by universe, God, source, a God of your understanding, uh, the earth, mother earth, nature, whatever it is that you believe, the external force and the internal force that is holding you together, that that radically loves you beyond uh, limitation. Uh, So so that's this whole idea, right? That's the community that that we've built. so knowing that's the definition of, of that, the question is, how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love? I radically love life. Mm. You know, I think that life is so amazing and um, it's just so awesome. Like, this sounds so stupid, but the fact that you can breathe while you're asleep Right? The fact that you can eat something and your body... No, but have you ever thought about that? No, I the fact that you, Right? The fact You're that so your right. body knows how to digest food. Yeah. And you put it in your mouth and it comes out the other end, but somehow it knows what to take. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the fact that the sky is this awesome color of blue. You know, the fact that... You know, it, there's so many things. Like, I just love life. And uh, you know, I always want to live life to the max in every way. And I'll often sacrifice sleep to be able to live an extra hour of life to the max, you know, <laughs> and that's what it is. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that what makes that love of, that I have, that radical love for life that I have possible is the radical love I feel from my family. Oh. You know, I'm very lucky in, um, in the family that I have from my parents, siblings, grandmother, you know, uncles, aunts, cousins husband, his family, and my close friends that, you know, small group of friends that feel like family, you know, they're always there for me. And I think it's easy sometimes to forget or to be busy or to acknowledge how thankful you are for these people in your life. And I think it's really important. 
Mm. Especially as we're more disconnected these days because of all everything, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Uh, Lauren, that's our time. I want to just take a moment to say thank you for everything that you've done, uh, all the articles you've written, all the classes you've taught, this incredible work of art that is Retox. I'm just, I'm so grateful to have people like you to not only look up to and aspire to be like, but who are actually out there doing the work and being real and being authentic. And I'm, I'm so grateful for you. So thank you for being a part of this project and for just being you. Thank you for being you and for expressing <laughs> this radical love. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> so um, just to, to wrap up, um, where can people get more information on you? Uh, where can they get the book? Where can they go get more information on what, what you've got going on? So um, the book is accessible at any major bookstore or Amazon. Amazon feels like these days is the way to go. <laughs> and the book, actually, when you get the book, it comes with some awesome gifts. Mm-hmm. It comes with an hour-long um, at-home yoga class. And it comes with uh, the music playlist that goes along with the book. And it comes with a three-day um, meal plan to sort of like rev you up and get you on track. So you can get all that when you get the book. And then you go to retoxbook.com and you put in all the information. And we will send you your free gift bag of goodies. And then in terms of finding out more about me, you can go to the website retoxnow.com. And there I have... You know, all the stuff, you know, at-home yoga classes and meditations and the blog and recipes and music and the studio in New York and all this other stuff. And then, obviously, I think Instagram is my social media, whatever word you want to say, du jour slash whatever. (laughs) Like, where can people reach out to you? Is Instagram the spot where they can send you questions or or ask you about the book or anything? Instagram or via via the website or Instagram is best. Instagram is actually I am you studio, I am Y-O-U studio. Awesome. Great. And I'll have all of those links. They'll be linked up on the show notes. So when people uh, check it out on either iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or Google Play, wherever they're listening to this podcast from, the links to Lauren's information and everything and where to buy the book, it'll all be in the show notes. So they can just click and it'll be easy for them to get. Awesome possum. (laughs) Thanks, Lauren. You rock. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit www.radicallylove.com forward slash podcast to read all about today's guests or past guests. You can click on any of the links or for more information, you can always follow me on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or Twitter at Rosie Acosta and let us know what you thought.